You're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. All right, welcome to The Bounding Box. Today I got, today I got a great guest here. I got Kelly Hutchins. So Kelly, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, what's your problem? Uh, my name's Kelly Hutchins. I am a software developer on the Instant Apps team. I've been at Esri for 23 years now, I think. Oh, nice. Um, so that's a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's my problem? Uh, I have too many dogs, too many ideas for apps <laughs> to build, not enough time. Probably same problems we all have. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, uh, ideas for apps all the time. Always got an idea for something. It's just trying to find time to squeeze it in to get at least a prototype out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for people that aren't familiar, give us an idea of what instant apps are and you know um, why they're important for users out there. Sure. They're a collection of web applications that make it easy for you to quickly share content from ArcGIS online. The apps range from kind of all-purpose apps where you can take a map, you can turn on a legend, some sharing tools, measure widget, a bunch of other things from the API, share that as a web application to focused apps. So maybe you have an app and you want to, or maybe you need to create an app to notify the public about something happening, a zoning change or um, some other issue in your community. Well, you can use the new public notification app to turn on a few options, point it to your data and share the app all within, all within just a few minutes, which is why we call them instant apps. It's <laughs> kind of the idea of, you just add water, right? You just add your data, click a few buttons, and and you're ready. You have an application that you can share with the public. And that's the thing. They, they have, I guess, like two parts to them for users that are getting into it is um, they have the configuration part, which is actually very nice. The configuration from a lot of the snaps I've played with before, they're not like overwhelming to you because, like you said, their focus app's not very overwhelming and stuff. And then the actual output of it, right? So, I mean, is, are those two parts that you guys have to work on uh, to make sure everything works in sync and stuff? Yeah, for sure. So we do work on the configuration experience. We work with our product engineers and the designers to ensure that we um, sort of make it as easy as possible for you to get up and running. We don't want it to take an hour for you to build one of these applications, right? So we kind of have two modes in the configuration experience. One is the express mode where we just pick the settings that we think are crucial to get the app up and running. So literally, it should just take you five minutes or so. And then you can go into the more advanced, turn off the express mode, and you have access to a, a deeper set of settings where you can maybe add some more configuration. But in both cases, again, we try and keep it as simple as, as possible and have some nice defaults so you don't have to do a lot of work configuring the app. And then, yeah, the second part is the series of web applications which we also build. So we have uh, the web apps, the configuration experience, and then all the pieces that make those two things work together. And that's the product of instant apps. And most of that is driven by a web map, right? It's not like you'd go to create instant app and you start adding layers and stuff. You use the web map to do everything you want to do, correct? Correct. For the most part, um, the con the web maps are driven or the instant apps are driven by web maps or on the 3D side, a web scene, or we have a few that also work with a group of content. So if you have a group that has web maps and web scenes, 
um, you can use those to share them in, in a gallery app. Uh, we do have the Atlas Instant app that can be driven by layers, um, but for the most part, they're all driven by pre-existing content from ArcGIS Online. Nice. I see. I've talked a lot about web maps and stuff on this podcast before with different folks about how it's pretty much the key to driving the platform, right? I mean, you go in there, dump a bunch of layers in your map, you have an option of base maps, you do some visualization, and bam, you're pretty much done. Now you can use it everywhere. You bring it into the instant apps, bring it into your custom apps, turn, bring in the pro, and do all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> exactly, and it saves you so much time. Like the thought of uh, using JavaScript to write like a unique value renderer just makes me want to cry. When you can just <laughs> go into the ArcGIS Online Map Viewer, click some buttons, get your renderer, save it in the web map, and then that that cool renderer shows up everywhere. Now there are parts of Instant Apps that are available on GitHub for users, right? If they want to check that out their own. Yeah, so I have, um, we have really talented developers on, on our team and they um, got really excited about the concept of web components and how we could use them in Instant Apps. So Instant Apps are a collection of over 15 different apps, but some of them have shared functionality. So we started building this shared functionality um, for example, like measuring, people wanted a measure tool, so we built a measure tool as a component. A share dialogue as a component. Um, this thing called the interactive legend, we built it as a component. And those are all in a GitHub repo called Instant App Components. And it's available for you developers to access. It's available through NPM, so you can NPM install those and just start using those components in your own applications. Um, and we'd love it if people did and gave us feedback on, on what works for them and what doesn't. I know the interactive legend was really popular when it came out. Like, it, people were like, wow, this is really cool. Because it, it really did a lot of what users wanted out of the legend, which is a complicated tool to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really cool to take your legend and make it something that people can click on and filter the map based on based on the legend categories. So I think it's it's really interesting and, and powerful and it's available now as a component so people can add it to their their own applications too. That's neat. And then the share one I know is really cool because we've used those sometimes in um, like Dev Summit uh, demo apps and stuff so that people can uh, share their particular demo or whatever they're doing. But basically it's just, it provides a share button that will save URL parameters and stuff, right? that you can then yes. share out to people and then consume it and read back the data and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the app has to know how to read in those URL parameters like extent and selected feature, but the share component does, um, does you know, does let you share a link that has those URL parameters available on it. It also has an option to include social media icons and uh, an embed experience. So if you want people to be able to generate that uh, iframe logic to embed into a different web page, they can use the share component to get that. That's neat. I think that's really powerful. I've, I've seen a lot of users try and like manually create those. And a lot of times I'll just direct them uh, to that particular component because I know it does everything they need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think the components are really cool. We're, we're building more. We are currently working on one that lets people do some language switching. So if you need to build an app that's, um, you know, English and French, we're adding a component that lets you switch switch those languages and retranslate the interface. And there's a bunch of stuff out there. You should check it out if you're a dev. <laughs> I saw someone recently have one where um, they were using the locales and to be able to switch at runtime. 
and like the JavaScript API, all the widget stuff can handle various locales, but then that parts of their app that weren't driven by the JavaScript API. And in their case, they just used a, a Google Translate API to handle all that for them, which I guess it, no, it, it does the job probably for most things, but you know, it, there's nuances and stuff and the translation is probably not catching, but either way, it's still uh, a nice trick to do something like that when you, you have to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I want to ask you too, you've been, like you said, you've been at Esri for 23 years. All right. You come up in your, your, your quarter there, which I'm sure you're going to get a nice watch or something. That's cool. <laughs> um, but I mean, what kind of, have you seen uh, tech and stuff change over that time, uh, especially for, I guess, web uh, development, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I started at Esri, web development wasn't, wasn't a thing, right? Like I started using ARC Info and, and AML, sorry. So it was a long time ago, command line stuff. Um, so things things have changed, right? We've gone from that to things like Avenue and ARC IMS and uh, ARC Objects, and <laughs> Web ADF. I mean, it seems like every few years something changes, right? Um, which I think is a, is a good thing. It keeps us learning. If you're in the software development field, I think you have to always be willing to learn something new and never want to get to the point where you say, I know everything I can stop. I can stop learning. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, especially, I know I, I spent a lot of time with arc objects, uh, early on and I was doing like arc objects and flex stuff, uh, for web. And there was the early on, you were able to use arc objects in your own kind of like web services. And then that you couldn't do that anymore. You had to like do everything through your server at some point, uh, which was fun. But then there was map objects. Too. I don't know if you ever messed with map objects, but map objects is kind of cool because you can build like your own custom, wasn't really a custom arc map kind of things, but you have a map and some buttons to do some custom things. That was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so much, so much has changed and there have been so many products, but it, it's, a, it's a good thing, right? It, it gives us a, um, I don't know, uh, an appreciation for the way things are now. And I think it's it's a little, heck of a lot easier today because we, there used to be all this like support for IE6 and all these quirkiness, the browsers and stuff. And I'm not saying that there's not issues between browsers today because we definitely see them, but I think it's much less than what maybe new devs are facing today than it used to be. <laughs> yes, but I do think new devs, like, Definitely, for sure, uh, browser differences were a challenge, you know, not in the, in the not too distant past. But now I think we have our own challenges. There are days where I will um, spend way too much time messing with node modules to figure out why something's not working or not updating <laughs> or some package, you know, lock problem. So I think we have our own there's always going to be problems. It just changes. We have all these new things that help us get our job done, but they also add this extra level of complexity that sometimes can be challenging, at, at least for me. Maybe other people don't struggle <laughs> with it as much. I know, and I'm, I'm not going to call them out, but I know someone that was working on a project that with them, they were rebuilding their library, internal library they were using for their app every day, but they weren't changing the version number. And they were wondering why their... Uh, library wasn't updating their app every day <laughs> because the package lock was there and they didn't change a version number. 
and I was like, you guys need to, to bump your, at least patch something. You need to bump that number because it's never going to update for you the way that you want it to. So it took a little back and forth to convince them to do it because they didn't think it was really necessary. But yeah, I mean, little things like that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, they can for sure. Yeah, for sure trip you up. Or even you, know, you have a package lock, but you have it set to automatically update. But maybe there's some breaking change and somebody patches your project later and it updates the latest, but the rest of the code isn't. I mean, there's just all these little intricacies or things that can trip you up if if um, if you're not aware of them or or you just maybe luckily haven't run into them yet. Yeah, I know I've I've dealt quite a bit. We have the um, the web components project that we're working on, which is a monorepo project, and we run into so many issues with like yarn and um, range versions for like the API. Like we need to support like the next version. We need the range between uh, four twenty seven point one and four twenty eight next, and you can do these range versions in your package listings. But they need to, you have to have yarn update the lock file for the specific version, mm -hmm. like every day. It's just such a, a twist of scripts and actions in our uh, GitHub to do all these different updates for us to make sure we're in sync on a regular basis. Yeah. So, see, is that any, is that, uh, would we rather be back supporting IE8 <laughs> or I don't know? You That's know. right. I feel like I'm doing way more DevOps style stuff today than I was maybe yes. 10 years ago, right? Yeah, I don't have to worry sure. about all yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Now you are also a a dog lover, right? Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a dog lover. I have dogs. I'm not sure if I'm a, I'm a hardcore dog lover, but my dogs are my best friends. No, they're always around. They're giving me trouble. They're always wanting attention and stuff mm -hmm. like that. How, how many dogs you got? <clears throat> I have four of my own dogs. Okay. So, and then we always have a foster dog. Oh, really? Right now we have three foster dogs <clears throat> plus one more foster dog coming in a few weeks. So there will be eight, eight dogs <clears throat> in my house. That's neat. So when you uh, bring the foster dog, uh, is it just, are they coming from like a shelter or is it like a transition to a shelter type situation? Usually they come from shelters. We take a lot of dogs from Central Valley of California. So Bakersfield, Fresno, Tulare area, um, there's a huge problem with dog overpopulation. Shelters are full. They have to kill dogs for space. So they send us all these sad pictures about these, oh. you know, 45 dogs are going to be dead tomorrow if someone doesn't take them. And um, they send those to the rest, the rescue that I volunteer for. And then the rescue asks us if we can take the dogs. And um, somehow we've uh, committed to having four, which is more foster than, than I've ever had. Uh, wow, four okay. So... That's a, that's a lot of dog food. <laughs> it's a lot of dog food and a lot of, I mean, my house is small. My house is well, little old bungalow, 800 square feet, uh -huh. you know, and to have eight dogs, you kind of have to walk with your feet shuffling or you're going to step on, <laughs> step on someone. That's a lot of dog hair too. I mean, just a I'm lot of dog the, hair. I'm only got the, the two there. They're mine. One little one and one, I have a cane corso and she's a puppy. She's like nine months now. But, Whoa, she, but she, she she's a big dog and she sheds so much and she wants to be held a lot um so she has her her crate and she'll come out and run around and stuff but she wants to be held and when she gets off me i'm just full of hair and i am like <laughs> my gosh what did you do to me i have to go out <laughs> like yeah 
I mean, we have, we foster mostly herding dogs and Siberian Huskies. So the Huskies add all the hair. And oh then, yeah. You know, and the energy. So. Oh, the Huskies are so hyper. We've got, we've got, my daughter has a Husky and it is a very hyper dog and very hairy dog. <laughs> and we try to brush her out and stuff like that too. And she does not like to be brushed, but she so, likes to be yeah, hugged, but not brushed. <laughs> <laughs> So would you say that uh, all devs would benefit from having a dog? Sure, I think everybody would benefit from having a dog. And if you don't have one and you want one, I have fosters. They need homes. <laughs> I think it's so much fun. I, I, I see a lot of people that have cats too. A lot of devs have cats. I see them put pictures of their cats and their keyboards and stuff, which is cool. I, I guess I probably wouldn't mind having the cat if I didn't have uh, dogs. But, you know, just never been much of a cat person. I really... I've always had dogs and mostly bigger dogs. So that's kind of where I go. I mean, I have cats too. I have uh, one cat of my own and three foster cats really? and a rabbit. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That, I, I had a rabbit when I was a kid. That rabbit was so much fun. I loved feeding him because he was just like, I hold the carrot in there and he would just like chomp away at it and it would slowly, slowly go in. Oh, I yeah, love having a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rabbit's great. He lives. We have a converted garage where the foster cats and the rabbit live, and he bosses the cats around and kind of in charge of the whole bunch. Oh, that's so cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. That's that's a lot of yeah. love going around that house. <laughs> a lot of love, a lot of money, a lot of vet bills, but it's okay. We don't have kids. <laughs> that's what we spend all our money on. <clears throat> yeah, the vet bills are something else, too. That's another thing. <laughs> Yeah, I try not to think about it. Yeah, we we with the the cane course and stuff like that. We've uh, just some of the treatments and stuff like she's had to get. I'm like, are you kidding me, really? But okay, I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome, Kai. Well, I want to be appreciative of your time here. Uh, but before I let you go, I do want to ask if you have any tips, tricks, uh, anything for listeners at all. Not even dev related if you don't want. Whatever you guys say. Uh, I guess adopt a dog, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, they, you know, there's a crisis right now, and animal shelters are overfull, and really, you know, dogs are great. They'll add a lot of enrichment to your life. Um, and then I guess, like from a dev side, the thing that's always kind of helped me in my career is I started at Esri Support. Um, and ever since then, I when I run into a problem in my app, I always assume. I don't assume first that it's a bug. I assume first that it's I did something wrong. And I think I learned that by helping everybody with their problems as they came into support. So once I assume that it's my problem, I try and break the app down into little tiny pieces to prove to myself that I'm doing it right or wrong. Um, but that mindset of I'm the one who's making a mistake always yeah. helps me try and debug it instead of, oh, that stupid buggy software is the problem. Um, so anyways, that's that's my only tip is just going to it with the assumption that it's your fault. And if it's not, the work that you do to try and debug it will help you help you provide our use case to support. That's a great one. I think a lot of times um, people will, will jump very quickly to go, oh, this is broken. Right. Like, right. And maybe thought. it is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it's always possible that it is broken. But, uh, you know, break it down first. Take take a few steps, take a step back and. Uh, do some different steps to kind of break down the issue you're having and maybe you'll be able to fix it. If not, all right, then so report it somewhere. 
there's especially with uh, like Ezra products like that there's a bunch of different places you can, avenues you can go you can go via support there's Ezra community um different avenues that you can use to report all kinds of issues <laughs> yeah yeah Ezra community is great on the instant app team we're super active on that community and we love to talk to people there and help them out or or get their feedback so oh that's awesome kelly well thank you very much i'll talk to you next time yeah thanks renee thank you for listening to the bounty box today please subscribe for more content